Welcome to Feeling It, a podcast where we discuss TV, movies, pop culture, and whether or not we are feeling it. If this is your first time joining us, welcome to the show. And here we go. Come on, walk and talk. All right, here we go. You guys want to hear something neat? It's showtime! Hold your ears, folks. Here we go! See what you can do now. Take your position. All right, ladies, buckle up. Let's do this. Hold on to your butts. Seriously? Listen to me very, very carefully. Hey, it's me again. Eat him up. Enjoy it. what pieces of pop culture we're really feeling. Whatever show, movie, song, or tech, we just can't get out of our heads. In addition to those picks, this week we'll be discussing the latest entry into the DC Universe, Shazam. But before we get started with all of that, let's introduce ourselves. And when we do, let's answer the question, who would you cast to play an older, more beautiful superhero version of yourself? Um, I'm Lucas Schreider, designer from Chicago, and I would for sure cast Michael B. Jordan. <laughs> oh, how much older is Michael B. Jordan than you, Lucas? Like like a, a couple years. I was like gonna one say year, like maybe. like three months, you know. Maybe yeah, he's he's barely older than me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but that's still a fantastic pick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um I am Sandra Amstutz. I'm a social media manager in Nashville, Tennessee. And I I mean, I would have picked this when I was a teenager. I would still pick it today. It would be Anne Hathaway. Anne Hathaway is Ooh, like Anne nice. Hathaway is the celebrity that like I don't claim that I actually look like her. Like I'm not that naive. But as far as celebrities <laughs> go, I think she is the one I look the most like. You know what I mean? The closest, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so easily her. Plus, I also think I would really want to see Anne Hathaway and like kind of that hammy like. I, I, I'm all of a sudden a superhero kind of role, so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, growing up, I definitely would have said Will Smith, um, but yeah. then I saw Hancock, so. Right. Uh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, okay, well, Lucas, what are you feeling this week? Okay, this week I am feeling the premiere episode of Game of Thrones Season 8. Um, I love Game of Thrones. I, it hasn't been on the air for the last two years, and I didn't realize how excited I was until I sat down to actually watch the episode that I was like, I am so happy Game of Thrones is back. Um, one of the things that I really love about Game of Thrones that they did a lot in the earlier seasons was it was much more about a bunch of people having conversations in rooms as opposed to you know epic battles and uh, Walking Dead type stuff. Like It was much more like a political thriller <laughs> stuff. Um, and they really got back to that in the, in the premiere of this, this season. You have a bunch of characters that um, haven't really seen each other in many, many seasons. Some people since the pilot of the, of the, of the show um, coming back together and starting to have those conversations again and start to meet up and we get to you know, hear what they've been up to and stuff like that. But they don't know and it's so much fun getting to see these characters interact with each other again. Um, this is... It's it's so great. Uh, it's one of the what's I, well. Let's see. It's the first of six episodes of the last season. Um, the first two are going to be an hour long, and then the last four are going to be like an hour and a half. So it's basically going to be watching a movie every week. Um, I'm so pumped for this. I I love this show so much. <laughs> um, so Lucas, I'll have you know that I watched the premiere episode last night. Wow. Uh, yeah, so a group of friends here in Nashville, we were talking last week about how Game of Thrones is coming back, but we never watched Game of Thrones, any of us, and we decided that as a group, we're going to watch this final season and just, like, be a part of the conversation, figure out what we need to figure out, 
And so we're So did we're you know it. anything that's happening? Surprisingly, I pretty much knew I feel like I knew everything good, that was happening. Good. Um like I said, I've kept up to date with storylines, just being pop yeah, culturally yeah. aware, like reading summaries, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. So I was watching with a friend, and I was the person who was constantly like, okay, they're brother and sister. Okay, I think they're <laughs> brother and sister. Okay. Actually, he's related to her, but yeah, he doesn't know Yeah, it yet. that kind you know, of stuff. Like, things like that. Yeah, it was great watching um, it with Re- Rebecca. She hadn't seen it in... I think she's been off for like the last four, three, three seasons, something like that. And so she watched it last night and she felt like she could keep up. So I, th- I think they did a really good job of just yeah. having it be an episode that it's like everybody can watch this without feeling completely lost. <laughs> right. Um, I do want to propose something. Yes. To Lucas. So um, maybe at the very end of this episode so that we avoid mm-hmm. spoilers for people, um, we could have like a tiny little segment where – I ask you questions to see the stuff that I didn't uh, yes, and you can keep me up to date. And maybe we could keep this going throughout the fu- the whole season I like it. where the very end of our recorded episodes, we do a Game of Thrones catch up minute. I like it. Let's do okay, it. Great. All right. Well, we'll be looking forward to that. If you're it, don't mind getting spoiled for Game <laughs> of Thrones or if you're like me and you really need yes. some questions answered. <laughs> um, okay. So what I'm feeling this week is something that I need to give a disclaimer about. Um, this is a show that I don't think is very good, but yet has like a lot of emotional significance to me. Um, past week, I rewatched this old season of television called Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip. It was one of Aaron Sorkin's TV shows. It only lasted for one season. And I think most critics nowadays would say, like, it was a bad show. It, like, wasn't very good. Um, The thing is, though, that I watched Studio Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip when I was a senior in high school. And it was the first exposure I had to, let's say, quote-unquote, prestige TV. (laughs) Um, I had never seen any Aaron Sorkin before. Pretty much TV for me was just something that you kind of, like, did for fun. You know, like, you'd watch an episode of Friends or you'd watch the Disney Channel or, you know, whatever was on. But Studio 60 was the first time that TV was really, like, I consumed it with a critical eye and with, like, an artistic vision. Um, And it just meant a lot to me. And so throughout the years, I've rewatched it every now and then. And now as an adult, I can see a lot of its flaws. Um... But I still think there's a lot that's very special about the show and that is done very well and that holds a special place in my heart. Did you ever happen to watch any of Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip? I watched it in college for a little bit. And by for a little bit, I mean I watched a couple episodes of it and was not thrilled. But I did love the Sorkin aspect of it. Um, I I, I think I'd seen – I think I'd seen like some of the West Wing and stuff like that when I watched it, but I was like, oh yeah, I get this. I like it, but it, I, I didn't think it was a good show. <laughs> no, it's not. Here's the problem with it. It's, for anyone who's never heard of it, Studio 60 is about um, a, it's sort of like a behind the scenes drama comedy, but really more so of a drama um, about the cast and crew and the executives behind an SNL type show. Um, the problem is Aaron Sorkin isn't really that funny. He's very clever, which is what I love about him. But I think he thinks he's funny. And so he's writing a show about a comedy show. And all the comedy aspects he's writing are very, like, 
intellectual or clever, but they're not really that actual laugh out loud mm-hmm. funny. And so it's really doesn't, it, there's this big disconnect. Um, and I think he wasn't really interested in comedy, like in, in that setting, like having it be a, the, like an SNL right. type show. He the, doesn't like SNL. He does like, that's not his thing. So I, I just don't think no, it fits well. He likes like, like old timey musicals mm-hmm. and he likes satire. Um, which sometimes SNL can will do satire, but they, I think the primary focus is like making you laugh versus making you think. And Aaron Sorkin is the right. reverse. Um, and also, the the show is like the politics of the show are like, uh, and when I say politics, I think I mean more of like the social politics of the show. There's things that from a 2019 lens you look at and you're like, ooh, that's kind of gross. There's a lot of like sexual workplace things that I think Aaron Sorkin is one of these kind of guys who at least in 2007 was like, you know, men and women, like there's going to be flirtation in the office and like sexual harassment suits are kind of, you know, a little over the top and, and things that you look at like now and you're like, Oh, Sorkin, (laughs) chill out. Like maybe these women were actually just in bad workplaces. Um, so, but that being said, one of the good things about this show is that like, I love Sorkin because I love romance and I think no one does romance like Sorkin does. The, one of the main plots of the show is that, um, these two characters, an executive producer who, who's an atheist and the star of the show, who is a devout Christian are this on and off again, couple that are constantly fighting and their relationship, I think, is, like, magnificent to behold. And it's based on his actual romantic relationship with Kristen Chenoweth, um, which I think is just one of the great love stories of our time. <laughs> and so um, this show means a lot to me. I think there's, like, amazing moments of dialogue and acting. Amanda Peet is on this show, and she is so fantastic, along with Sarah Paulson, who plays the devout Christian star of the show, who is, was my first exposure to Sarah Paulson, and I think she's incredible. Um, plus, you know, Bradley Whitford and Matthew Perry, who are always fantastic, and a lot of great supporting players. So there's a lot that's special about the show. In addition to the fact, oh, my last thing I'll say about it, what's fun about watching it now is that it's this really cool time capsule of what 2006 was like. <laughs> because... Because it's about, like, an SNL-type show, they have all these famous people come on to play themselves as, like, hosts and musical guests. So you get to really see who is, like, who was considered famous in 2006, (laughs) you know? Plus, the politics of that era are, like, a big part of the show. So seeing what the politics and the famous people and the pop culture references were like in 2006 is really kind of fun to go back to, especially because senior year of our high school, that's like an important yep. year. Um, so it's fun to go back to, even though it has a lot of flaws. Yep. Um, I, I would recommend it if you're, if you're interested in Sorkin for sure. Cool. All right. Before we talk about Shazam, we have one big thing we need to discuss. <laughs> that is that there was a Star Wars trailer and title announced. Yes. Week. Lucas, did you watch this trailer? I did. 
Star Wars Rise of the Skywalker. Um, this trailer. The Rise of the Skywalker. What? The Rise. Sorry. I left the out rise. the. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Someone pointed out on Twitter that all three of the of the movies in this trilogy have the word the before. That's true. And I'm sure that's a spoiler for something eventually. But um, <laughs> the J.J. Abrams mystery box. <laughs> Um, Yes, so it's the final chapter in the Skywalker saga. Um, And I thought the trailer was great. I absolutely loved this trailer. The later we go, the more they're going to get more spoilery with the trailer, at least like giving away the plot and stuff like that. That stuff I try to stay away from, but the first trailer for each of these movies has been really fun to watch because it's really just tone setting. It's really just getting to see some new costumes for the first time, um, some new planets, that kind of stuff. It's really fun, and this was fantastic. I loved it. I loved it too. I thought there were so many like – moments that made my heart clench um especially the the moment of ray and um and uh, leia like embracing mm-hmm. each other um i think the opening with ray is really exciting and like man it's the opening of the trailer i think is the most exciting part because it starts off recalling that shot of finn in that like desert mm-hmm. land and it's just him in the face and and then it builds into this exciting thing where you're so confused, but you're excited. And then it's this grand moment. Um, and yeah, the, the, the one thing I wish this trailer would have had, just a, like a shot of even, like a glimpse, is the new character that we're getting. Um, they, they introduced a new character at the Star Wars event. Um, they gave her a name, but I wish I could have just seen a shot of her in a costume, <laughs> yeah. you know? Um, just, just to get my eyeballs yeah. on it. Um, but otherwise, I'm ecstatic. I'm over the moon. I can't wait. We also, you know, didn't get a shot of Kylo in the trailer. We did. did we? we oh, did. no, we yeah. did. We did. Yeah, we did. Um, now I'm, re- I'm remembering. I'm remembering. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. I just, I can't wait. Um, the I, wa- I happened to watch the entire Star Wars presentation, and it was really fun to see all the cast together, um, to see J.J. Abrams and Kathleen Kennedy talking about the movie, um, to see that Billy Dee um, was there, and this new um, actress that they've introduced, I'm, I'm blanking on her name right now, um, to see the standing ovation that... Um, Kelly Marie Tran got at the at the event was really exciting. Um, it was it was a fun time, and I'm really excited about it. Um, I want to I, I mentioned it to you I mentioned this to you in a text, Lucas, but I wanted to know if you felt that the beginning of this trailer kind of felt very similar to the beginning of the Frozen trailer. <laughs> yeah, you have a you have a, a young woman standing alone in the middle of a vast wasteland, just uh, kind of hanging out, and we're not exactly sure what she's trying to do. Um, There's just that like tension of like starting the trailer with like mm-hmm. her. Doing doing this physical confusing task, yeah, you know, yeah, and there's like the music mm-hmm. and the and her running and yeah, you know. I can see that. I liked this trailer more than the Frozen Two trailer. I didn't love it, um, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I, I I I could definitely see the parallels, especially at the beginning. Yeah, um, one thing that I think we saw in the trailer that they also mentioned in the Star Wars panel is that. Um, John Boyega said he is, you know, throughout these movies, he's like, I don't feel like Finn has, like, an iconic costume. He goes, 
you know, he was in a stormtrooper uniform and then he kind of like had to find clothes and he's just, he's never really settled into a costume. And so for this movie, we may, we have like this costume that he feels very much is Finn and it's these bright blue pants. <laughs> and I'm so excited to just like have that be like the Finn yeah. look, you know? Um, yeah. So there's, there's plus Ray's costuming looks so like, Again, similar to like hers in the beginning, but like more white and more like a little bit um, done up. And yeah, like, she's mostly kept a consistent look the whole the whole series. It's just right. been changing from but white to gray to all of this stuff. Polished. <laughs> yeah, and I, I'm just so the the costuming of Star Wars is one of my favorite aspects of it, and this is all just really exciting. Yeah, I'm pretty pumped um, about it. Like you, I don't need any more trailers. I have a hard time resisting watching trailers. Yeah. Um, the one reason I don't want to watch trailers is because I get really annoyed when I see a clip in a trailer that doesn't make it into the movie. <laughs> it bothers me Because when you're watching so the movie, much. you're just and looking so, for that clip the whole time. Yes, absolutely. And so I worry that that will happen if I see more trailers, you know? I think it'll definitely happen in Star Wars. I think they're doing a good job of um, keeping it light. But I think the farther we get into this, you're going to find stuff that's just not going right. to be in the movie. Right, <laughs> so. All right. Well, are you ready to move on to Shazam? Let's talk about Shazam. out kind of like right before seeing this movie that Shazam is part of the DC universe. Uh, DC Extended I, Universe I think is what it's thank called. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, I did not realize that. I thought it was just a superhero movie. Um, but the fact that it is technically in this universe um, I think is fun and was interesting to me. Is it fun? I um, think it's just ignored for the most part. <laughs> you think it's ignored? That, that it's part of the DC Extended Universe? With Ben Affleck as Batman and Henry Cavill as Superman. Well, do you think it was ignored in the film or ignored in like the promotion? Uh, both. I I I I, okay. I I know that like in the film they do talk about the fact that Shazam is part of the DC universe where there is a Batman and there is a Superman, but they don't reference yeah. anything else that's happened in the in the extended universe movies that have happened so far. Um, that's kind of all. Well, I Well, yeah, I'm not saying I wanted any of that at all. <laughs> I'm very much glad that they did it, but I think they did just kind of ignore quietly that, that that this is part of the DCEU. Hmm, okay. Um, Lucas, what was your excitement level going into this movie? So I didn't know a lot about this movie going in. I didn't know about a lot about Shazam the character slash Captain Marvel, which I think is what he's actually called in the comics. Um, I think the confusion is ridiculous. Um, <laughs> but going into this, I, I truly didn't know any of the story. I knew Zachary Levi was in it, and he's mainly the reason that I was watching this, because I do love Zachary Levi. Um, so, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about spoilers, but so I think I was a little more confused than I should have been um, kind of at the start of this movie as to what's happening, who's who, what's going on. Um, but as it went on, I realized that I was having way more fun than I thought I was going to for a DC movie. <laughs> um, I think the cast is really, really good. Um, I have a couple qualms with the character, or not the character. I have a couple qualms with the kid who plays uh, Billy Badson, the, the young version of Zachary Levi. Um, right. I don't think they match up well. Um, but I, and I like Zachary Levi more than I like him. Um, but I th also think he has a lot of, a lot, 
a lot more to do dramatically <laughs> in this movie. Um, I did love the other kid, Jack Dylan Grazer, who plays Freddy, uh, his foster brother. Um, that kid is a blast. That kid is a whole lot of fun to hang out with in this movie. Um, yeah. And I thought him and Zachary Levi hanging out together was so much fun, as opposed to him and um, I think it's Asher Angel, uh, the kid who plays Billy, is a little bit of a wet blanket, I think. But what do you think about it? I this movie surprised me a lot. Um, overall, I had a good time. I liked it. And I was going in not having high expectations, just kind of expecting like a fun romp. Here are some of the things that surprised me. I surprised me how scary a few scenes were. Ugh, yeah. Like, didn't expect that. Then it surprised me how like dark and sad some of the scenes were that we can get into spoilers. I was like, this is really heavy for like... I guess, I think going into it, Shazam felt way more kid-oriented than adult-oriented. Definitely, definitely. And so then to see some of the scenes that were, like, pretty scary and pretty dark, um, I was a little, you know, taken by surprise. Um, And I'm going to agree with you that I think this Asher Angel actor um, who plays Billy Batson is... You're right. I I don't see Zachary Levi's personality um, and his personality lining up. Right. You know, know, his his whole mode was very a little bit too much like I'm too cool for all of this. I'm too jaded. He was very jaded. um, And Zachary Levi didn't bring any of that jadedness to that performance. Although um, so to me, it's a little bit more of like they just didn't sync up very well. Um, but I think I think if if Zachary Levi had been more jaded, um, I don't think it would have been as fun. Um, and I think this I kid still could have had you know a, a bright, excited outlook about being a superhero and about kind of his situation now, as opposed to his situation before. Because situ- like right. he's a foster kid who's run away from everybody and is now in this foster home. And I get that he's down and sad about it and isn't loving life, but he still has to have that personality of you know an up, not not necessarily even upbeat, but like. Um, I don't know. More Zachary Levi, <laughs> more Zachary Levi personality. Right. I think fits better with this character than his like totally. moody kind of silent treatment stuff. Yeah, I will also say that the actor that played Freddy, like you said, I think is like a oh, star. Oh yeah, I I loved every moment that he was on yep. screen. Um, I I want a whole movie just about <laughs> him. I want to see him in so many things. I realized I'd seen him once before. He played young Timothy Chalamet in Beautiful Boy. Oh really? Yeah. Nice. It, very small yeah. role. Not like you know he didn't do a lot. Um, but he's fantastic. So funny. So charismatic. Um, I can't wait to see him in more things. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I think that they've already greenlit a sequel. They have. Them. Yes. Uh, this movie yeah. made all the uh, money in the world, um, <laughs> yeah. which is shocking. But I think there's been nothing else in the box office for people to go see. So um, I'm I'm excited yeah. that it's going to get a sequel because I at, at the end of this again we'll talk about this in spoilers. But at the end of it, I was like, oh, now I am actually pumped for the sequel. I think this is going to be a really fun story to continue with. Right. Um, I will say my favorite part of this movie, in addition to the kid that played Freddy. Um, is I really love stories about like found families, especially when it's like including the the narratives of like adoptions and foster mm-hmm. homes. Um, I just I'm a sucker <laughs> for that. So having this story, the very beginning of the story, be he goes into this home that's full of foster kids and with these 
a, a special, like, I think, note is that the two parents both used to be mm-hmm. foster kids. So they raised their house. So their house is, like, keeping that in mind. They, the way they parent is from the point of view of knowing what it's like to be a foster yeah. kid. And um, it just makes for this really cool family unit um, that I just, like, every scene with those parents, like, my heart was just so, like enlarged because I loved everything about like that. I loved the casting. Mm-hmm. I loved the house set up. It was like this really cool looking big house. Um, I love the way the siblings all interacted with each other. Um, I can't, I, I would love a second movie just to see more of the family all together and less of just like this one Billy Batson character, like on Agreed. his own, you know, journey. Agreed. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't think this movie is good. Um, I think there's lots of like really clunky aspects to it, but because of like you get such good feelings from all the characters and the kind of the setup and stuff like that. Um, like you said, like the foster home situation, um, like getting Zachary Levi in there, like all of that is just so much fun that it really makes up for kind of like an okay story, an okay script. <laughs> um, sure. um, and like, it just feels lighter than it, than it should be. And by lighter, I mean like um, more of a popcorn movie as far as like tone, like you said, there's some dark stuff in here that is not, yeah. not suitable for kids at all. Um, his, what is it? His, uh, I, I don't know if this is this is probably comic lore because I don't think anybody would ever come up with this on their own. But um, he fights the seven deadly sins um, as his like yeah. his main bad guy, I guess. Um, but yeah, and they're kind of like gargoyles. And creatures. they are creepy looking. They are truly disgusting and scary. Um, and they yeah. they kill a lot of people. And it's like in really kind of like the, the director. Um, It is very gruesome for a PG-13 movie. Um, The director, Dave Sandberg, is a – sorry, Dave F. Sandberg is a uh, horror director. He comes from um, the horror genre. And you could really feel a lot of that in some scenes (laughs) Um, that that he was – like he's really kind of digging into that horror aspect. And I I don't know how that works with kids. Again, I didn't see it with any kids. But just as I was watching it, I was like, I don't know. I don't know if this could work. Right. Let me tell you something else I'm a little disappointed by. If your main villain is going to be the seven deadly sins, I kind of want a little bit more of like the personalities of those seven deadly oh, yeah, sins no. to be like to be reflected, yeah. you know? Like in this film, they're just seven gargoyles essentially. Yeah. They have no personality. Um, they don't really like, talk at all even. It's No. Like if you're going to have the villain be seven deadly sins, like let one be show off like what lust is and greed and envy and pride. And like, I want to see all those characteristics played out and and themselves. Um, I think Mark strong is doing the best he can with like what he's given in this movie. Um, I think his like look is Mm -hmm. fantastic, you know? I mean, he is he is a very kind of one dimensional like villain as the host right. for these uh, seven deadly sins, um, and I'm I'm, right. I'm 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 fine with that in a movie like this. Um, I think he plays it well. I think he he seems to be having a lot of fun, and when him and Zachary Levi are kind of talking to each other, I think that I think that's a blast. Um, yeah. And I think it. Oh There's yeah. There's one particular scene we can talk about in spoilers. In um, spoilers that I think was just like the per- like I laughed so hard. It's played off yes. so well. Um, I do I do think um, it, it has a little bit of a kind of a Deadpool mentality where it's poking fun a little bit at superheroes, um, but definitely. not in a meta way, more in just a 
this guy is around superheroes, or not around, this guy lives in a world where superheroes are real, and so he can yes. reference superheroes um, in a way that Deadpool's yeah. more just kind of talking to the audience. Um, I think Deadpool right. did it better, but I think it was still fun to see here. Yeah. Well, and there's also something fun about, because they're playing like, what, 14-year-olds, I think, yeah. is the age? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, there's something fun about the way that his, the Billy Batson character and the Freddy character talk about superheroes and mm-hmm. and p- point out flaws and criticisms and make fun of them, but also love them. You know, um, there's something that like only a 14 year old boy could do, you know, like only a 14 year old boy that cares about superheroes that much <laughs> could be like that, um, like heady yeah. about what superheroes are like and what they're actually capable of. And, um, and so there's something really fun about that premise that like these 14 year old boys, like, have access to a superhero <laughs> now and they get to like test everything out and like talk about all the um the like parody version of what a superhero be they go shopping for a layer mm-hmm. you yeah. know like, <laughs> yeah oh man all right i am excited um, to talk about spoilers if we want to jump into that stuff yes okay i i will say before we get into the spoilers and then we can talk about it immediately after is the ending was fun but incredibly predictable like sickeningly predictable so that is something that i wish could have been a little bit more of a surprise because i think it would have been a fun surprise um but they they laid it up like way heavy in the beginning so that was my only that was that was a bummer for me um but let's talk about what that was in spoilers right now before we get started does anyone want to get out are you paying attention it's your last chance to walk away let me tell you what's gonna happen. Now, crack and gas. Spoilers! Remember, you wanted this. Okay, in what way was the ending predictable? Well, at the very beginning, he's like, my seven brothers, my six or what, you know, my, my brothers and sisters had all these powers. And so it's like, oh, he's gonna get brothers and sisters and they're all gonna have powers at the end, you know? Um, I think the the one thing that surprised me is I kind of expected that to be like a very end reveal, like, um, and not like a final battle reveal. Yeah, I'm um, very glad that it was a final battle reveal and not like a, I don't know, like a a tag at the end or something like that. Um, right. Because it was fun getting to see all of them transform into these superheroes and get a little bit of like you get to see their personality as the superheroes, um, and that that was fun and. The Adrian Brody reveal was lovely. Um, did I say Adrian yeah. Brody? Adam, Adam. Bro- Adam Brody. Yeah. That was the one thing that I had spoiled for me going into Oh, really? Is that um, all – and all I heard was on Twitter, it said, Sam gets a sequel. And someone just said, oh, good for Adam Brody. So, like, I was like, oh, so Adam Brody is in this. He's probably, like, the big version of the – the best friend, <laughs> you know, because they look just oh, alike. Man. So I thought, I thought, that, like, as I was watching the movie, I was like, you know what? This guy lo- kind of looks like Adam Brody. He really does. And I was like, this is this is kind of yeah. fun to see Adam Brody as, like, a little kid. And then when he transformed into actual Adam Brody, I was shocked. I loved it. It was <laughs> <That's> fantastic. <really> cool. <laughs> yeah. But. Um, 
And then, and then the beginning, it sets up like I have all these brothers and sisters with all these powers. Um, and so it's like, oh, not only is it going to be the best friend, but it's going to be like the whole team. See, um, I missed all that, so I did not. For me, it was a reveal. It was a shock when it's like all of a sudden, great. all of these kids have powers. <laughs> it was, it was yeah. fun for me. <laughs> there was also just like kind of like him fighting off Mark Strong and like these seven deadly sins. And there was like, I think at one point there's a line where it's like, there's no way I could do this by myself yeah. or something like yeah. that. Where it's like very clearly he's outmatched um and so it's like oh well the solution is going to be that he has more superheroes yeah see i thought it was going to be the fact that um that they can help him without having to be superheroes because he has he keeps having that conversation with the freddy character of you know freddy's like if i had these powers this is what i would do and all this stuff and him coming to realize that um he doesn't need powers he can still be you know he can still help and be good without having the powers but they just decided to give him the powers so which is fine it's fine (laughs) but i was like oh this is going to be meaningful when he realizes that he doesn't have to be a superhero i mean i want a sequel because i want way more Adam Brody. Oh, for sure. For sure. (laughs) I just adore him. And so to see him and um, Zachary Levi, like really getting to like act Mm -hmm. with each other in a sequel will be really fun. I am very pumped about that. I'm also pumped to just see the dynamic of that family more. Um, Like you said earlier, like, Getting to just right. hang out with them more, I think, is going to be a lot of fun, as well as just seeing what these characters get up to as older superheroes. I think it's really interesting seeing, I think her name was Darla, the, like, five-year-old girl or whatever, um, having her be a full-grown adult superhero who saves Santa and then is, like, really pumped to see Santa, <laughs> um, right. I thought was hilarious. And I just, I am very curious about what this dynamic is going to be like in the second yeah. movie. Um, let's talk about parts that we really really liked so i the part i was referencing earlier was the scene where they're both flying in the yes. air and mark strong starts to give his super yes. villain speech and zachary levi's like I yeah you cut you. to zachary You're levi's like perspective and it's just like silence and city noise like it's just because of how yeah. far apart they are which is very funny yeah. and so so funny that that is what makes that so funny is that is something that we recognize from superhero films that like mm-hmm. happens a lot, but that is not something I've ever thought of right. or like heard people, you know, critique. It's something that never ever clicked in my mind is that they wouldn't even be able to yeah. create um, <laughs> until this moment. It made me laugh. Yeah, so hard. it was really good. And there are a couple moments like that where he's just talking about like, oh, so you're the bad guy. I'm supposed to fight you. All of this stuff um, that I think right. that I think works really well, especially when you have Zachary Levi delivering it and Mark Strong just like glowering and listening to it. <laughs> um, um, yeah. And I'm I'm not sure how much of that is good, but I think the amount that they had uh, worked well. Well, the scene where they first encounter each other, I think, is very funny because yes, I think that it's funny that his first instinct is to, like, run and, like, throw things right. at him instead of actually yes. use his powers. Like, yes. he hasn't, like, learned, like, oh, I need to use my powers to fight someone yeah. with powers. He, like, throws a Batman yeah. toy at him. And, like, that 14-year-old, like, panic is, like, I think very <laughs> fun to watch. Definitely. Um, I also think that, like, the uh, scenes where they're testing out all his powers are mm-hmm. pretty fun. Um, especially, this is where, like, Jack Dylan Grazer, the Freddy character, gets to really shine, mm-hmm. you know, um, where he like 
like convinces him that he's invisible. <laughs> you know, I think it's like a great. He checks scene. if he's fireproof. Like he lights him on fire. Like all yeah. of that stuff where he's just kind of messing with him and like they're just having fun as fourteen year old boys. But one of them is an adult superhero. Like that is a lot of fun. Right. Um, another joke I really liked was when Zachary Levi is like performing his superhero powers for the crowd, mm-hmm. and he goes. And he's doing the, like, eye of the tiger, but with his, like... <laughs> Those lightning like, hands. More lightning, you know, and he's, yeah, he's showing off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, that I thought was really fun. Um, the scene that I was talking about earlier that's, like, real dark is when he meets his mom. Yeah. Yikes. That... The fact that he even finds his mom was surprising to me. I did not think that was going to be a, a, you know, a plot point. I thought it was going to be very much like he just learns to like love this new family. But the fact that he finds his mom and then she tells him that she didn't want him and like kind of just left on purpose, abandoned him him. on purpose. Um, and then doesn't want to be a part of his life anymore now. Like that's rough. That is some, (laughs) yeah. And then, Yeah, and then I I felt like it was very difficult to go back to fun superhero stuff after that. Uh, I I thought they they finally did kind of help change the tone, but that's that's a dark place to go. It's just real dark for, like, kids. You know what I mean? Like, I I just kept thinking about, like, what kind of kids are going to see Shazam and are like, fuck, (laughs) his mom doesn't want him. Um, Yeah, so that that just took me by surprise. And then that um, scene where all the, like, gargoyles are, like, eating people in the boardroom was like truly just a horror scene yeah to me that 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 was the big thing that i was just like okay the tone of this movie is all over the place because we had some fun stuff and then he shows up and just starts murdering people in the boardroom he throws his brother out the window um in and not in like a i feel because i feel like you can do that scene in a lighter way and it still just it still be still be sad and kind of i don't know but it went full horror it really did so uh, I'm not saying that it's necessarily bad. It was just not what I was prepared for in that movie, especially with the marketing that that movie had. Yeah. I'm trying to think of anything else that I think really like was effective or strange. Um, I could see the character, like you mentioned earlier, of um, Darla is like the little girl sister who, you know, has like an adult body as a superhero. Um. I could see that adult version of her getting a little annoying if they play it up too much in a second movie. Definitely. I yeah, it could get it could be it could be a lot. I think if you use her, you could use her well and it work really really it could be really funny. Um but you're right, if it's mostly just her like saying dumb things and being a 5-year-old or whatever, um right. the whole movie, it yeah, you're right. It could be pretty annoying. <laughs> so any other final thoughts you have about Shazam, Lucas? I didn't think it was a super deep movie. I didn't think it was super great, um, but I had a lot of fun in it. Yeah, I think it's a fun time. It's a movie that, like, I would say is probably fun to watch at home. Um, and I'm excited for Adam Brody. That's yes, definitely. Pretty much <laughs> my, you know, consensus, yep. the consensus I'm hearing. Yeah. All right. All right. Lucas, where can people find you online? Um, you can find me everywhere at Lucas and Stuff. And you can find me on all social media platforms at Sandra Armstutz. My last name is spelled A-M-S-T-U-T-Z. And our Twitter account for the podcast is at Feeling It Pod. And stay tuned for our Game of Thrones minute right after this. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. Thank you. Goodbye now. Goodbye. Go away. I'll see you soon, okay? That's it. Go home. Yep. Move along, Padre. Goodbye, old friend. 
that's it. That's our show for tonight, people. Okay. So one thing that I was trying to figure out was, um, here, here's a question that I was asked and that I will relate to you. Um, during the scene where Jon Snow and Daenerys and Sansa, they're all at that like big table and they're speaking to a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. Um, there were these two like kids, but they're not yes. really like kids, right? Yes. They're, like, <laughs> they're like adults, but they're in the body of kids. Uh, no, they're they're kids. They're definitely kids. Oh, they are kids. But they they are don't kids. act like kids. Well, they're they're, like... they're what it is is. There's been so many battles and stuff like that. The people who run the houses um, have all been killed for the most part. And so you have these young lords and ladies who are basically like just children who have had to take over their their family house. And so they have to come and, you know, act like adults. And like one of them, like uh, the the girl has been in this role for a couple years now. And so – is like feels like an adult kind of acts like an adult but is still a kid and so it's a very interesting like dynamic i think um the other kid that was the first time that we've seen him and it was kind of it was weird to have both of those kids kind of back to back and be like okay what's going on here right so i gave linda some bad intel (laughs) they weren't really kids and she was like, oh, like in Twilight. I was like, yes. Yeah, no, that's not <laughs> Just it. Just like in Twilight. So that was wrong. Yeah, okay, she's, she's truly um, like 13 or whatever. <laughs> okay, so then at the towards the end of the episode where we see like a kid stabbed on a wall, was that's that the that kid. same kid? Yep, he went back to get to his house to get okay. um, all of his people and everything like that, and the White Walkers came and killed them all. Got it. So that's what Linda thought, but I wasn't so sure, so I'll have to tell her she was right. Okay. There you go. Um, trying to think of other questions I had. Okay, so here's another question I had. Um, there was the girl that was, like, locked up on the boat, and yes, uh, the guy that, like, locked her up was her brother, right? Uh, the guy who locked her up was her, her uncle. The guy who uncle. saved her was her brother. I see. Okay, I knew they were all related. I knew they were great. Yes. Right, I didn't know. <laughs> Got yes. it. Okay. Um, okay. And um, the uncle, he went and, like, was with Cersei, right? Yes. Okay. So now Cersei is pregnant, right? Correct. Who is the father? We think it's Jamie. And okay. wh- and m- this is 100% my assumption here, but my assumption is she decided to sleep with him to make it look like this baby was going to be his as opposed to Jamie's. Okay. Got it. Um, that makes sense. Let me see what other questions I had. Um, we had a lot of questions answered by watching the inside the episode at the end. Yes, of the I love those little shorts with with uh, DB Weiss. Yeah, DB Weiss. And, off. Yeah, um, just just because of, like yeah, you you get to kind of hear their thinking behind it and stuff like that. I thought it was really good. Yeah, they also pointed out something that I didn't really under- know at first when I was watching the scene was that like only Targaryens ride dragons, and so Jon yes. Snow riding the dragon was like, yes. very significant. Yeah. Definitely. Okay. Um, so Cersei told um, Tyrion that she's sending an army, but she's not real, yes. right? She's not sending an army, no. Okay. All right. And Jamie knows she's not sending an army? Yes, Jamie knows. And so he just went to Winterfell to tell everyone that Cersei's not, Got it. Um, not at sending the very an army. End of the episode, which is why you saw Jamie... him there at the end. Oh, yes. and Jamie and Bran look at each other, and I was just about to ask, like, what's their deal? But then I just remembered he pushed Bran out the window. Yes, he pushed him out a window in the very first episode. Right, the one episode. <laughs> and they haven't I've seen ever each seen. other since. Yes. 
Yep, there you go. <laughs> yeah, it just clicked. Okay, so um, Jamie, uh, we saw the preview for the next week's episode, and mm-hmm. Daenerys is all like the man who killed my father. Did Jamie kill her father? Yeah, Jamie killed her father. <laughs> Got it. There's gonna be there's a lot of like interactions of, of things that have happened that like in this one we saw that Daenerys killed Sam's father and brother and stuff like that right. too. There's right. gonna be just lots of connections that we've the show watchers have made that the characters haven't made yet um which i think is going to be a lot of fun so yeah he killed he killed her dad and he was his guard he was like his bodyguard and ended up killing the king did he kill the king before the show or like during before the show no this is many years before Right. Okay. He was like he was like sixteen at the time. Why did he do that? Um, because the king was crazy and had started to kill people. Okay. Robert Baratheon w- had started a war um, and was going to take over, and Ares, the king, wanted to basically just burn the whole the whole city down um, to keep him from coming into the city. Um, and so Jamie killed him to save the city. Okay. But a lot of people don't know that they just know that he killed the king. <laughs> Got it. When he was supposed to be protecting him. Got it. Okay. Um. Yeah, it seems like a lot of problems could be solved if Jon Snow and Daenerys just got married, like they suggested in this episode. Yep, yep. We shall see how that goes. <laughs> um, I just wanted to say that I'm still rooting for Sansa at the very end of all this to be on the throne. Um, I like the idea of Jon and Daenerys like dying together in battle and Sansa is left to rule. Um, she so, seems the one most capable, I think, at this point. Yeah. But I also think if there is a throne at the end of this, then we'll see. I, I don't think the show will. I don't think the show is going to end with who's left on the throne. I think it's truly going to be the throne doesn't matter anymore at the end of this. That's boring. I want there to be a winner. <laughs> there are no winners. Yeah. Um, what are you? What are your hopes for this season? I truly don't know. I like we're completely off book, off everything. I have no hopes. Uh, truly, I'm just like I just don't like. I know a bunch of the people that I love will probably die, um, so I'm just not even contemplating it at all. <laughs> Do you have like a hope of like you hope this character dies, you hope this character lives at the end? Like, I mean, I want them all to live. I mean, really, the them? one, the yeah, I would love all of them to live. Uh, the one thing that I would want is. Um, I like I want Sansa to live. Um yeah. And I want Jamie to live. Like those are the two people that I'm like I would love it if you just made yeah. it all the way through. Um okay. Well, I'm excited to I'm excited to be a part of this journey, Lucas. And thank you for answering questions. Yes. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no it. problem. <laughs>